All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Monday, May 8th of 2023. We did not have a show on Friday here. Took a little bit of a uh, long weekend myself here. So happy to be back. Looking forward to another strong week of shows here. Looks like we have an eight-game MLB slate today. We have a two-game NBA slate. And then we have a single NHL showdown for tonight. So it should be a fun day of DFS. Should be a fun week of DFS. Looking ahead, uh, looking forward to it myself. For those of you who are new here, welcome. My name is Andrew, one of the coaches over here at SaberSim. It's a show where we go over how to use the SaberSim app, answer any and all DFS-related questions. You can post questions live in the YouTube chat or in the Office Hours channel in our Discord server. If you're not in our Discord, there's a link in the description below to get joined up. Highly recommend it. Uh, get to see when we kick off Sims. Get to get updates about release notes with updates to the app. A lot of good DFS conversation happening in the individual sport channels each and every day. So highly recommend it. Check us out. And if you're not joined up with Saber Sim, we also have a link to a seven-day, no-strings-attached free trial. We do this show Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, come and get your questions answered. But with that being said, got the app pulled up now. Uh, going to jump into some questions that we have here. Looks like we have two questions um, with one question potentially in the MLB channel if I get a little additional feedback here. But uh, always time for more questions. So if anybody has any, get those in now. But first question here from Jay Sams Jr. Question says, uh, when it comes to the top hitters, how does SaberSim rank them in the all batters section. Okay, so if you go to all batters, uh, so so everything you see in this table is uh, you're able to manipulate basically here. So the um, easiest way I think to to visualize this is to um, sort players by fantasy points projected. So what you can do is you can come into this my proj column or the SS Praj column, and then just uh, make sure this arrow is pointing down, and this will show you highest fantasy points to lowest. Uh, this is all This is all just for your interpretation, really. You could come in here and sort by ownership. You want to see who the highest owned players are. Uh, maybe you want to see who the best fantasy point per dollar plays are, and you, you know, when you're comparing salary versus projection. Maybe you want to sort by the order of the player's in the lineup here and uh if you wanted to see the top of the lineup what you would do is is get rid of all these players with a filter and then just do something where it says um you know maybe like my projection greater than four and then use this little eye icon to get rid of those players and then now i can see all the players at the top of the order so this is really all for your use uh you want to see highest salary plays whatever it may be right uh saberson is is using this data but is not using it in, in whatever way you sort, we are, you know, random sampling the Sims and then using the information from that group of Sims to then interpret and then build you a lineup. And then we are doing that process for however many lineups are in your pool. But but all this information is, is for, uh, for your viewing pleasure to help you interpret the slate, to help you get an understanding of the different pieces on the slate, the different, um, you know, statistics that, that go along with that individual player here. But if, if, I, if I missed anything or didn't understand that question correctly, just let me know. And then going to hit this question here from Chuck. 
A little bit of a long one here, but we will get through it. Chuck said, hey, Andrew, I have a process question. I came up with the idea to use all the percentiles and compare that to the highest actual scoring lineup in the pool. I thought that comparing the performance of the lineups across the SIM database to how the slate actually played out made intuitive sense to me. I came up with a confidence interval based on those observations and I would filter out lineups that fell outside the confidence interval. I still use the top saver scores of the remaining lineups. Is this a good process? My confidence interval accounts for standard deviation, variance, and sample size of my observations, which is shown in the image. This is a fairly new process for me, but I almost think the NBA FanDuel showdown flagship. However, I'd like your thoughts on this for a for any sanity checks or advice that you can give on using this method. Okay, so happy to give some feedback here, Chuck. Um, I I do think that, you know, looking at the lineups and seeing how they actually scored over, you know, a, a very long period of time uh, is is a good option here. I think that one thing that, um, that you can do possibly is go back to previous seasons of MLB. Uh, if you want to, you know, you can go back like let's let's do September here. You know, you can go back to September 1st, 2022 MLB season and let's see. Oh, actually I don't think you can do this. Um we were having some issues with some past data. I don't know how far back it was it was wiped. Um but but for instance, maybe maybe we could try NBA. So so let's say like you wanted to do this for NBA, right? Uh, basically what I'm trying to say is like use the calendar, go back a couple months and just start back testing months like at a time. And then you should have this actual data column uh, for most of these. I think that there was something specifically wrong with MLB 2022. I can check on that, but um, you know, and then just start testing your, your process, you know, through all these dates uh, just, you know, go into the main slate, do all of March, do, all of February, do, do, an, do an entire season. You know, um, if the data is there, go back and check last season and, and do the same thing there, right? Uh, that's going to help you to see if what you are um, ultimately coming up with is either signal or noise, right? So I think that the more backtesting you can do is only going to help you figure out if this process is good or not. But then um, just some thoughts on what you're doing. If, if you're building GPP lineups and comparing percentiles to actual scores, I don't know how, um, what's the word I'm looking for, how useful like checking 25th and 50th percentiles are. I don't know. I also don't know what, what, how intensive the process uh, is to run or like time-wise, but, but I think that, you know, I would be okay probably just checking against 75th through 99th and possibly cutting down like a third of the runtime on this, right? So if there's six percentiles, you cut out two, uh, that should save you about a third of the time here, right? If this is like super uh, process intensive. Uh, so so I don't I don't know how particularly useful 25th and 50th could be unless you're playing cash. I think if you're playing cash, then that's okay to, or very necessary, I would say, even to keep in your process. But if you're just looking for like upside and GPPs, I think you'd be fine doing something with within the 75th to 99th percentile range here. 
and uh, also just about the process in general. I've talked to a lot of Sharp users, uh, even Sharp users who use SaberSim that are doing something outside of SaberSim to help them determine uh, what lineups to play and uh, different things along those lines. So I think that, you know, what, what you're doing is, is not, you know, out of left field here. I think that there is definitely merit in using some type of outside uh, personal, you know, built process to aid in your uh, use of SaberSim and, and use those things in conjunction. If you can figure out a way to do that uh, profitably and that that works over a very large sample. So I think that, you know, if you were to do something like this for NBA and then backtest the entire NBA season, uh, that could give you a lot more useful data. But, um, you know, just just doing that process over and over can only help you. So that's my thoughts initially here. Let me know if you have any follow-up. All right, next question from Mr. Nice Guy in the Discord, and then we are going to jump over to the YouTube chat. This question says, Andrew, how do you determine the number of dupes to use in the geo meme? So really good question here. Uh, I would say that the way, well, I'll tell you the way I use it personally is I like to use a GeoMean filter as more of a guardrail filter. Um, so even, even though I would love, you know, for all of my lineups to be unique on, on any given night here, Oh, I'm still in March. I was like, why am I seeing, why am I seeing Phoenix versus Charlotte? Uh, they're not playing Charlotte, but, uh, anyways, um, when I'm using a GeoMean filter or a GeoMean rule for that matter, I am using it as a guardrail saying, hey, do, don't show me any lineups beyond this point. And for me, I'm usually putting in a number around like 20 dupes. So I'm doing 20 divided by the number of entries in my contest to the power of one over six for like an NBA showdown lineup here. And then from there, I'm, I'm, filtering further, right? I think that if you were super aggressive and saying, Hey, I want all my lineups to be unique. Um, one, you might not have enough lineups left after you applied that filter. And then two, you might just get some lineups or a number of lineups in that case that are just have a very low, like win probability. They don't pass the eye test very well, but they uh, just ended up being the only set of lineups that met this specific rule. And, and at that point, I think that your rule can do more harm than good. So I'm trying to just set a uh, filter that just helps me weed down my pool. I think that's something that's like a lot different from classic slates. So in a classic slate, you know, I'm trying to make adjustments in the home screen to uh, get the pool closer to what I want it to be like. That way I can get more unique in the post build, right? I have more uh, lineups that I'm comfortable playing. I can use my mini uniques. I can get more diverse, spread out um, some of the exposures more, et cetera, et cetera, right? In Showdown, I'm, I'm really not trying to do that. I'm trying to take this pool of optimal lineups that we've built using the Sims, and I'm trying to weed that down to a set of lineups that I am comfortable playing. So uh, two, two kind of lines of thought there for Classic versus Showdown. And so, so from this point, right, let's say that we have a, a lineup, a contest where there's 20,000 entrants, right? So then what I'm going to do is 20 divided by 20,000 here. I'm just going to do this on my calculator. I'm going to do 20 divided by 20,000 to the power of one divided by six. And my GL mean value is going to be 31.6 here, right? So 
if I'm, so what I would do is I would go, if I'm on the pro plan, I'll go to the filters and then I'll go hide lineups where geo mean is greater than 31.6. And in order to do this, you have to be on the pro plan because you have to be able to create a custom metric that shows the geo mean value of each lineup. Uh, if you're not on the pro plan, then you can do this as an aggregate rule, which I'll talk about a little bit as well here. But if we just sort by geo mean descending here, uh, oh, actually we applied the filter. We got rid of 23 lineups here, right? So we only got rid of 23. Let's say that I just, for example, wanted to look at the lineups that I, I, I wanted to look at how many lineups we get rid of by being super aggressive with the geo mean. If I wanted to only show um, uh, lineups that were projected to be duped once with the same size contest, I would do one divided by 20,000 to the power of one over six. So I'm going to go hide lineups where geo mean is greater than 19.2 is, is the value that ultimately comes up here. Now I filtered out 436 and I'm only left with 64 lineups. The other way, we only got rid of about 25 lineups. Uh, so you can see how much bigger of an effect this has here. And then if you go over to your captains, what you're going to see is that you're probably getting rid of some of the, um, some of like the highest point projected captains in your pool, right? So we're getting like no LeBron in our 64 lineups, only three lineups out of 64 with Curry, but we're getting a ton of these lower guys, right? Uh, 10 lineups with Draymond Green, 11 lineups with Lonnie Walker, and, um, you know, four lineups with Hachimura, six lineups with Moses Moody. So when we have six lineups with Moses Moody, 11 with Lonnie Walker, and then, you know, two with LeBron, three with Curry, zero with Anthony Davis, uh, we're probably being too aggressive here, right? So let's get rid of that one. And then let's go back to the one that we previously had here. So where I'm going to go geo mean, uh, height lineups with geo mean greater than 31.6. Now in our 477 lineups, uh, we're, we're seeing probably what we expected really where Curry is like, uh, the highest pool exposed followed by LeBron still getting a lot of dream on green. Uh, we're getting some clay Thompson now, which we weren't before, but then now we're only getting, uh, 2.5% of Lonnie Walker compared to Steph Curry's 25%. So uh, Lonnie Walker is now in 12 lineups compared to Curry's 118 here. So so this is really the difference that you see when, when being super aggressive. That's why I prefer not to be super aggressive. I prefer to just set a number that I am uh, want to start as like my base and then do any additional filtering or, or, um, adjustment to exposures to try and uh, account for those things in different ways here. I think that some things that you can do is look at your stack types, um, you know, maybe like look at the spread of the game. If the, if the game's close, you know, say it's like a uh, one point spread. Um, maybe you, maybe you stay away from some of these even stacks and you favor some of these uh, four, two stacks some five, one stacks. It's this golden state Lakers series has been really interesting. It's like been a blowout one way or the other in all three games. So haven't been playing showdown, but I, I could imagine that some of these um, heavy, heavy stacks have probably been having a really good chance of getting there and being unique. Uh, so, so just, just some food for thought there. But if, if I wanted to do this as a lineup rule, last, last thing here, what I would do is I would go to lineup rules. I would go to add new rule aggregate, and then I would do my own 
geomean, which will be automatically done here, uh, no more than I than I could say 31.6. And I'm much more careful, uh, comfortable with that guardrail here. And I would just save that. And then now that'll be a rule for me here. So it looks like we did a very similar example uh, uh, recently. So, but, but good question there. Let me know if you have any follow-up. All right. Uh, first question in the YouTube chat from Franklin. Franklin said, on NBA showdowns, how do you make a rule to only play at least three or four players from one team? Thanks. And then he said on FanDuel. So what I would do, and we're talking about showdown here. Um, So I think, okay, this is a classic slate. We're talking about showdown. Let's go to showdown. So I think there's two ways you could do this. Uh, one way is you handle this as a rule. So then I would do group rule and then I would do automatic. And then I would say use at least uh, three and then I would do group by team. And then you would have to pick a team. Obviously you can't have, well, if you did like four, you couldn't do this for both teams, right? Then no lines would be able to be built. So then what I would do is I would save this as a manual rule. So I would say use at least four group by team. I'm going to save these two manual rules and then I'm just going to delete one. So if I wanted to say use at least four players from the Lakers in every lineup, then I would delete the golden state one. I would keep the lineup, the keep the rule for the Lakers here. And then I would just go and build my 500 lineups. And then we should be able to see that all of the lineups in the pool have at least four or or five players from the Lakers in the lineup. But uh, I forget if Fandle, I think Fandle only has five spots. So so we should have like a bunch of four one stacks here if, if I'm correct. But haven't played enough showdown on Fandle to, to remember here. Okay, yeah, so it is five. So MVP, star, pro, util, util. And then um, we get, you know, right off the bat, all these are four stacks of Lakers. I'm pretty sure you have to use at least two players on uh, or one player on each team in the game in these showdown formats. So we should see all four stacks 100%, and they're all Lakers four stacks here. So 100% Lakers four stacks, exactly what we wanted here. But that is how I would do that. Uh, if you don't want to set the rule, you can also just try handling in it in the post build in these tabs. So what I would do is not set the rule and then just come in to the team stacks and then look at your three stacks or your four stacks and then just give um, more exposures to the teams that you want. All right, next question in the YouTube chat. How much exposure uh, do you prefer for a team or pitchers in 150 lineups? I've had it where I had a pitcher 80% once and a 40% of a team is a better uh, of a team. Is it better to more than 150 lineups as well? Okay. So uh, just talking about like exposures here, uh, you mentioned pitchers. So this is an MLB question. I'm going to go over to MLB and we can talk about this a little bit here. We'll just talk about the main slate for DraftKings here. And looks like there's a turbo, a little earlier, nice little three-game slate, and then this main slate here. So I'm going to make a couple updates, two projections, just going to run some lineups uh, so we have something to work with here. But uh, to answer your question, for me, it really depends on the ownership of the players and the batters on the teams 
in question here. So for instance, let's say like there's a day where there's not a lot of good pitchers on the slate, but there is, uh, but Jacob DeGrom is like the sole like ace on the slate. Uh, you're going to see his ownership get really, really high. Right. And he, he might be 70% owned. Uh, I I've definitely seen that. Right. So if, if I have 80% of Jacob DeGrom, but he's 70% owned, then I'm okay with that. You know, I think that's all right. Uh, so, so for me, it's always in relation to the ownership of the player in question. Uh, I think that, you know, if we had 80% of Tony Gonzalez at like 2.95% ownership, I might be a little more careful with that. And, and the reason I'm using ownership here is because, um, you know, ownership in, in sports, in DFS in 2023 is, is usually warranted, right? Uh, these players are being owned because they are good plays, because they have a uh, probably a, a high uh, probability of, you know, being a good play overall here. So I think that there's something to say about like the wisdom of the crowd and ownerships in DFS in 2023 in general here. Um, not that it's like an end all be all, but I think that, you know, it, it's generally a good indicator. Like, okay, this player's probably on average, a pretty good play. Uh, we are going to take some stands at times against those players. That is okay. But I, but I think that, you know, just using that as an input in your decision-making process is probably a good idea. Uh, it, it's something that I do regularly here, but if, um, you know, just just in general, uh, the reason you're going to get more of exposure to pitchers than batters is because the pitchers are more normally distributed, uh, much more likely to achieve these average projections that you see as opposed to any one hitter here. So let's take the highest projected hitter here, uh, possibly. Where are all? Oh, I'm on the pitchers tab. Duh. Okay. Uh, We'll use Freddie Freeman, for example, here. So pretty high projection, uh, pretty pretty decent um, range of outcomes here. But, you know, his highest likely outcome, percent of the Sims, 19%, is about five points, right? Followed by zero points at 17%, followed by something close to his average projection at 16 And then you get this uh, big tail to the right of events that happen at a much smaller frequency here, but you know, he has some 30 point games and that is going to uh, have a big effect on his mean projection here. Right? So the, the range of outcomes looks a lot different for the batters than the pitchers is basically what I'm trying to say here. So I think that, you know, it's always better to like, if I had my highest exposed player, a batter before any pitcher, I would be pretty concerned about that. Like let's say I had a, a 80% Freddie Freeman and then I didn't have any pitcher above 70%. I would be very, very concerned about that and probably want to make an adjustment there, but just some general notes there. Uh, and then as far as, you know, team stacks here, right? Uh, we have 60% of the Dodgers here. If I had 60% of the Dodgers and I was concerned about this, you know, what, what I would probably do in this situation is I would write down the Dodgers. I would write down Milwaukee because Dodgers are 60% owned. Milwaukee's 40% owned. Houston is 35% owned, all as a stack. And then it drops to 15% in, in lower here. So I'm not super concerned about all these teams coming in at 15%, but I do want to do some additional research on these teams that are you know 35% plus, right? So then what I'm going to do is go back to the home screen 
And then I'm going to try and estimate the ownership of these teams here, right? So I'm going to go to the Dodgers. I'm going to go to all batters. I'm going to sort by the batting order here. And I'm going to look at hitters one through five. So Mookie Betts, 11.45% ownership. Freddie Freeman, 10.6. Will Smith, 8.3. Max Muncy, 9.2. I'm comfortable saying that the Dodgers will probably be stacked around 10% of the time here. And then going to go to Milwaukee, do the same exercise. Uh, Milwaukee, 5%, 4%, 8%, 7%. So somewhere in like the 5 to 10 range for, for Milwaukee. And then Houston here, uh, 2%, 7%, 10%, 2%, 11%. I think that we could say 5 to 10% as well here. So then now I have like some, some generalized stack ownership uh, levels here that that I'm going to use in my analysis here. So Dodgers at 60% would be like 6x the the exposure that I'm projecting for this team as a stack here. Uh, I do want to make sure that like not all of that is coming from two stacks, which it's not, right? So not super concerning here. I think that if I saw, you know, 30% Dodgers two stacks, I might be more comfortable with that, but because the bulk of this exposure is coming from five stacks here, which are 55%, which are 11 out of the 12 Dodger stacks that I have are all five stacks here. Uh, I do want to be a little more careful with this here. From here, what I think that you could do, uh, which is something that I personally like to do, is go sort by team in the table here, go down to the Dodgers, and then see what your individual batter exposures are like and see if, um, you're not getting that much exposure to certain players, right? So what I can do, actually, I wonder if I can, I can just search by team. So I'm just going to search LAD here. And I am going to look at the all batters. And I'm going to use this order here, right? So what I want to look at is the order that the players are in the lineup. And then I want to look at how much exposure I have to all of them. So right off the bat, Mookie at 50%, Max Muncy at 55%. I have zero David Peralta in the eight hole. Uh, That's something I'm going to note. And then I got Will Smith at 60%, James Altman at 30 no Miguel Rojas. And then the other one is probably Jason Hayward at 10% here. Uh, So so to me, what I want to do here is that if, if I like the Dodgers this much, I want to get exposure to all the batters in the lineup here. So I'm going to put 10% for David Peralta. I'm going to put 10% for uh, Miguel Rojas. And then I'm going to make sure that I still have some exposure to Jason Hayward once these uh, exposures adjust here. And it's telling me that it cannot meet that, which is, oh, because I actually have zero Miguel Rojas lineups. Uh, so, so this is something like I might go back to the home screen and like make an adjustment personally is that if I love the Dodgers, if I'm going to stack the Dodgers, uh, I don't, I don't want to leave out a piece that's going to be really low owned that, um, you know, is going to be a big, is going to be part of that lineup. Right. I think I can get a lot of leverage from, from playing Miguel Rojas and I might want some lineups with him, uh, overall. So I would have to go back to the home screen, adjust his projection, not going to do that here, but, but basically just trying to say that. Uh, make sure that, you know, you're, you're, I think that the best thing that you could do is 
where there's a team where you have a lot of exposure, see if there are different ways to stack that team, right? Where you're not just playing all of the top four hitters, right? All the Mookie Betts, Muncie, Will Smith, Freddie Freeman combinations, right? See if you can get a little different here. And then uh, this is like a personal personal note here is that I don't really love having more than like 40% exposure to any individual hitter since hitters are so variant, which we can see from their range of outcomes here. So usually I'll just come in here and like um, limit my exposure to individual hitters here. Uh, not, I, I, this is like not something I've tested or uh, a number here that is like uh, end all be all number. You know, I just kind of made this number up off the top of my head. Feels about right. Feels like I can find other good hitters in good spots um, where I don't need to play a hitter at, you know, 15 in 15 out of 20 lineups, but you don't have to use this number. You could come up with your own number or use something like that. But I also think that, you know, by, by forcing the builder to play less Will Smith, Mookie Betts, Max Muncy, it's going to make the builder play more players from that team in other spots of the order. So that way I don't have to go and look at every individual team to figure out how to get more options, uh, more, more, more players from that lineup into those stacks. Right. So even if I go back, you know, it dropped my Dodgers stacks, but if this number was still at 60% instead of 40% now, I would be okay with that because I'm, I would have said to myself, Hey, you know, I've lowered my exposure to individual pieces of that lineup. Even though I still have 60% Dodgers stacks, I know that it is a, uh, more, uh, diverse combination of stacks overall, right? So that's kind of what I'm looking for in general here is to lower my exposure to individual pieces of a lineup and figure out ways to get more of that lineup as a whole. But that's that's only when, you know, we are heavily stacking a team here is where I try to figure that out. But just, just some thoughts there. Uh, I, I feel like I, I started to ramble and, and kind of went off on a tangent here. So if I missed any parts of this question uh just let me know but just wanted to give you guys an idea of like how i'm thinking about these things as i'm building my own lineups the goon said need to know how to make high upside gpp lineups with mlb dfs uh well you've come to the right place uh so what i could say is that you know the the best thing that you can do is to use a high um sim diversity here if you're looking for very high upside lineups having a sim diversity of nine, I, I wouldn't go to 10 for these classic slates. I think nine is good. And then um, another thing that you can do in the post build here is that, you know, our Sabre scores are a balance. And you can look at these formulas, a balance of mean projection, 99th percentile and average adjusted ownership. If you really just want to maximize upside, uh, you can basically, you know, get rid of these uh, mean projection and adjusted ownership portions of this formula and just sort by percentile. And this will basically just weigh, this will basically be like the highest 99th percentile lineups. And what that means in the sim is like, Hey, when we look at this combination of players across all of our sims, they scored that their, their top 1% outcome uh, the highest score that they achieve in 1% of the Sims is higher than every other combination of lineups 
in this pool here. So that is what 99th percentile uh, sorting by it, you know, from highest to lowest will tell you. So if you want to just maximize upside and not care about ownership, that is what I would do. But just remember that, you know, when, when you are using any type of custom metric that includes ownership, you are basically sacrificing points for ownership where you're trying to say like, Hey, you know, I might be sacrificing projected points or uh, projected upside, but, but when this lineup does good, you know, these players are not going to be as low as, as high owned. And I might have a better chance of winning this GPP in that instance, when you are sorting by a percentile by itself, you do not care about ownership and you might get really chalky lineups. So I think like a good example is this top lineup here. Every player in this lineup is over 10% owned. And then if we, in this 99th percentile lineup, and then if we go to a Sabre score for MLB large slate, 10K to 50K entrance, we have multiple players in this lineup that are below 10%. We actually have, I think there's 10 players, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So only three out of our 10 players in this top Sabre score lineup are over 10% owned. So that means seven of the 10 players are less than 10% owned here. And it looks like uh, three of them are coming from this five stack of Houston. So I think this is great, right? We're finding a way to stack a team where it's a combination of some players with some owner, with like some decent ownership and then some players with some low ownership here. So that is like the biggest difference between percentiles and saber score in this context. All right. Um, that is all the questions in the YouTube chat. Looks like we have a follow-up from Chuck here. If anybody has any last questions before we get out of here, now is a great time to get those in while we follow up with Chuck. All right. Chuck said, um, using all the percentiles takes as much time as using 75th through 99th. Gotcha there. Uh, I'm excited to review as many slates that there are actuals datas, uh, for, and I hope that actual data becomes available for MLB 2022. Well, sounds great, Chuck. Uh, glad, you know, you were able to get some actionable takeaways uh, for you from my response here. So I look forward to uh, hearing back from you. I'm sure you'll report back when you have some more useful insight. So it uh, looks like you have some work to do with some back testing there. But all right, everybody. Uh, great show today. Glad to be back. Looking forward to a strong week of shows here. If anybody is building lineups throughout the day here and a question pops in their head, please drop it in the Office Hours channel. Gets us a steady queue of questions to get going with at the start of the next show while people tune in, while people start to ask more questions. And if you guys are not playing over on Owner's Box, highly recommend it. Contests continue to overlay. Contests are softer than what you will find in the DraftKings and FanDuel lobbies here. And then along with the soft contest and the overlay, you can also earn free Saber some credit from playing on Owner's Box. A link to this page is in the description of this video. Uh, if you use code Saber or SaberSim, we will track your entry fees and you can earn free SaberSim credit along the way. And they also have a $500 deposit bonus. So take advantage of all those things. And until tomorrow, good luck in your contest. I will see you then. Bye.